If you or a loved one has had thoughts of self-harm, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by dialing 988 or visiting suicidepreventionlifeline.org. I know, Rob, that you said that, like, we need to get out of the house more and do more things to, like, you know, cut this hermit habit we got going on. But I really don't know that joining a cult was the right way to go about it. Yeah, I I need some help here. Is I can't see out of this thing. Is my is my hood on backwards? No, you've got it on right. It's just the two little circle things that we're supposed to look out of are very small. It's like... (sighs) Because, like, they're triangles. It seems like they can see out of it a lot better, but we're the only two with the hood that doesn't match the rest of the group. Yeah, that's that's odd. You know, this cult sounded really awesome. You know how I'm into Lovecraft and everything. Um, But for some reason, I don't think that they like us very much. No, they're kind of pissy with us. They seem very passive-aggressive, like... Like, look at their robes are like nice fabric and this stuff is itchy as hell. I'm pretty sure this is burlap. This is not like, look at theirs and then look at ours. It's just not the same. Yeah. D- oh, yeah. It does kind of. Oh, man. It feels it's it's very scratchy. And I think I got a little rash on my chest now. I know. Next time I'm wearing something underneath this. Yeah. And hold yeah. on a minute. Uh, could you step back in the light? Yeah, sure. Here. Oh, dude, that totally looks like a, a penis. You can see through this thing? I'm looking through one eye hole and I'm telling you that like everybody's got black triangles and that's a rectangle with two little circles there. Okay, I definitely think that they don't like us. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it's like, it is, it's like a dick and balls, except it's not even a erect dick and balls. Like gave us, they gave us mass that looked like a flaccid dick and balls. Yeah. That I don't know. Is this some kind of weird hazing ritual? Honestly, I don't know. And especially with these with these freaking plastic knives, looks like we're in uh, grammar school once again. Yeah. Are they worried we're gonna like cut ourselves or something? I had to unwrap mine from like Saran wrap, this little <laughs> packet. And the thing, what if I poke someone, it's gonna break in my hand. Yeah, mine came wrapped in a napkin, so I I know how you feel. Yeah, this passive-aggressive stuff is not working for me. I just, if you don't want us in your cult, just say so. Yeah, and it's bad enough. Like, they put us on the front lines. Everybody else has real knives and stuff, and I think we're just cannon fodder. I don't, whatever. You know what, I'm not going to give 
my due then next month when they pass that hat around. I'm not putting money in it. then. What do you say we just kind of get the hell out of here because they, it's clear they don't want us here and I don't want to get shot in the face. Yeah, I don't want that either. What is that noise? What's that horn noise? That thing is like deafening, oh. Rob. It's so loud. It is. It, oh, man, I'm kind of, I'm getting a little dizzy. My head hurts. Going, this like, is not worth it. Reality's going all wonky on me here, man. Let's just go home and order a pizza and watch a movie. Yeah, that's something. Let's go back to being hermits. This sucks. I'm fine with that. Welcome back for another episode of the Midnight Mass Creature Cast. This time, we hope that you are prepared to enter the void. I am Mark, and I'm joined by the ever-awesome. I'm Rob, but you can't see through this hood, and I've really got to take it off because it's getting kind of hot in here. (laughs) Yes, it is. I can't really take off more than the hood, though, because I would be like, you know, I'm freeballing, so I got to keep the robot. I just got to take the hood off. Right. Um, That was my plan too. Like the (laughs) the rope will stay on, but the hood definitely, you know, it makes it a lot easier to speak through the mic without the hood. I think the world would be a better place if people could walk around like in robes like that and just the little shrouds and stuff. Yeah. I'm all about capes and shrouds and things like that. I think that's pretty awesome. Pretty cool. I do like that. It, It seems less binding than wearing jeans all the time. That's true. That's true. Um, and no one knows what's going on underneath unless like there's a good wind. Uh, <laughs> or but, or they're standing like you can see the, the silhouette <laughs> or something, you know, if they're they're in the right kind of light. <laughs> exactly. Like what they pulled with poor Princess die in that one photo photo op. Um, but so what we're doing is we're covering The Void from 2016. It's a Canadian horror film. Um, it's not rated. It has a one time of 90 minutes. Um, it is a... Uh, Brought to us by a writer-director team of Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Kostnaski, K-O-S-T-A-N-S-K-I. Jeremy, Mr. Gillespie, um, brought us Father's Day from 2011, and then Stephen (laughs) brought us the 
awesome Psycho Gorman from 2020, which I highly Ooh. recommend anyone out there watch, uh, listening to this podcast, give that one a watch. Yeah, it's we're so going to have to cover that one because that's one of my favorites. I was going to ask if you were even familiar with it. I love Psycho Gorman. Oh, I want to be that little girl when I grow up. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of fun. Now, this one was my pick, but we have talked about this before, and I know we both equally love this film. Yeah. Um, do you remember when you first saw it, Rob? I do. It wasn't that long ago. I, I believe I either saw it in 2018 or 2019. And it was, I was listening to, uh, back. it wasn't called Spitball Media Podcast back then. It was called Break the Apocalypse. And uh, Shaheen was talking about it and like, uh, you know, I know that he and I, we, we kind of have similar tastes in like monster movies. Mm -hmm. And when I heard him discussing this, I was like, I got to go check this out. And I was not disappointed. This thing blew me away. I I feel the same. And I also, I'm glad we're covering it because the two people that listen to us, if they don't know about it, they should. This movie I think is fantastic. I, it really, to me, should have such a wider audience than I think it does. It's just an amazing film. Like, I I am just blown away with it every time I watch it. It's just so cool, I think. It, um, it, it really messes with your head. Like, you think you, you think you know what's happening, but then it kind of flips the script on you, and you're like, where the hell am I? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, now, I saw this on uh, streaming, like, but pretty much when it was first released to streaming. So pretty much around 2016 is when I saw it. Because I don't believe this had like a wide theatrical release, to the best of my knowledge. Um, mm. So I did not catch it in the theater. I know that. Um, if you're okay, I'm going to fly through the large ensemble cast as quickly as I can. And I'm going to try not to give away spoilers just yet. We will spoil this film, folks, but I don't want to do it just yet. Okay, get your wings on and start flying, my friend. All right, here we go. So um, we have uh, actor Aaron Poole is involved as Sheriff Daniel Carter. Now, I think I mentioned this one to you, Rob, but I'm going to, again, push the movie The Empty Man from 2020. If you like this film, you get more of the same vibes from that film. Um, unfortunately I forget, I don't want to like spread lies. I forget what exactly it was. I think it was when Disney was acquiring 20th century Fox was right around when this film was coming out, the empty man. So there was no publicity for it or anything. They just kind of let it fall by the wayside, but it's phenomenal. If, if this is, if, if the void is your jam, follow it up with the empty man. Cause it's just as cool. Well, I can't I recommend it. I heard of that film, so I definitely I'll put that on my list. Yeah, so I'm telling you folks. Okay, so uh next up we have uh Kathleen uh Munro, M-U-N-R-O-E, and that uh she portrays uh nurse Allison Frazier. She was in George Romero's Survival of the Dead from 2009. Oh, I remember her. She was the um she was the daughter of the one of the two feuding families. There you go. All right. So, pigging back off that, there is an actor, Kenneth Welsh, who portrays Dr. Powell in the film, who was also in that film with her as well. Now, fans of Twin Peaks will know him as uh, Wyndham, Car uh, Wyndham Earl um, because he portrayed that character from uh, 90 to 91 on that TV show. He also was in, because I'm a big comic book 
geek. He was also in the uh, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer from 2007. And in 2005, there were two films of note. Uh, one was The Exorcism of Emily Rose and then the remake of The Fog, which I'm not telling anyone to see that one. <laughs> and I, I, I saw both of those, The Exorcism of Emily Rose and The Fog remake. Now, I do like The Exorcism of Emily Rose. The Fog, I was so excited. And then I was just very, and it's not that I hate remakes. I was just very disappointed in that one in particular. They made it uh, extremely different. I will always love the original. Yeah, it was just, I wanted so much. And then I saw it and I'm like, no, I just, it, I don't know. It just fell flat for me. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah. So now there's a very mysterious pair of gentlemen in the film. And they're only known as the father and the son. The father is played by Daniel Fathers. Um, this is kind of like a, a warning. <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of the Brady bunch and I liked when they did like the, the redo back in, in, um, the two thousands of the film. Uh, but they did a third one that should have never been made ever. And that was the Brady bunch in the white house from 2002. And he plays a priest <laughs> in it. Do not watch that people. It's not I a have, good film. I've never seen any of those. Oh, see, I love the first two. They're just so subversive and fun. Um, and then the son is portrayed by, ooh, it's, I think it's Mike, M-I-K, and then Bysakov, B-Y-S-K-O-V, but it's, there's no films that I could recommend that I've seen from this gentleman. Um, now we get a junkie in the film played uh, by Evan Stern, and he is most note from the RoboCop kind of like reboot from 2014. He was in that movie. Hmm. Now, I saw that and I don't, I do not remember him. Oh, in the film? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he had a very large part, but he was in that. Um, and he's James in this film. So I love Art Hindle. He is Trooper Mitchell. He was quite the dashing, uh, dashing man back in the day. Um, I know him from two things of note. He was in Black Christmas, Bob Clark's film from 1974. And he was also in David Cronenberg's The Brood from 1979, which I think we should cover on this podcast. I love The Brood. Yeah, I think we talked about that before. We just mm, I love The Brood so much. Yet. Yeah. And then uh, sticking with the whole Cronenberg thing, uh, Beverly, the one nurse uh, in the film, is played by Stephanie uh, Belding, and she was in David Cronenberg's Existence from 1999. Ooh, yep, I remember. I saw that. I don't remember her, though. Yeah, and then moving down, we have Kim, who's the nurse trainee, and that's Ellen Wong, and she was in um, I Love Holiday-themed horror, and she was in Silent Night from 2012. Um, that's a, another Santa Goes Crazy. Um, and then we have the grandfather and the granddaughter with child. Uh, the grandfather is James Millington. And he was in a movie that was based on a true Canadian crime. And it's called I Miss You Hugs and Kisses from 1978. It stars Elkie Summers, but it's kind of an interesting little mystery movie that I would recommend people watch, uh, especially since this is a Canadian production. Um, and then the granddaughter is Maggie and she's played by uh, Grace Munro. But I don't, uh, and that's M-U-N-R-O, um, not to be confused with Kathleen Munro. Um, but I, there's no films of note from her that I could recommend anyone go out and check out. So I don't have anything for her. But that's our big, giant ensemble cast for mm -hmm. the film. And I got to say, like, um, <laughs> there's always one female 
most of the time that I crush on. And uh, it would have to be Ellen Wong as Kim in this movie. <laughs> oh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. She's just so That's adorable. <laughs> it's like, I want her to survive. <laughs> I do. I like, you know what? I'll be honest with you. Like, I think everyone is well cast and they play their parts very well mm-hmm. in the film. I, I do. I, I really do think they're very well cast. Um, who would I, um, well, like I said, Art, you know, Art Hendel's older in this film. Uh, he was very good looking when he was younger. I, actually, if I had to pick like one crush, I think I would say the father. Um, the, the, I can the see that. Pair. Yeah, yeah, I can I, see I, that. There's something kind of him that I, I kind of found kind of appealing. Um, <laughs> so not the sheriff. <laughs> not, no, not nothing against the gentleman. It was just, I don't know. I just, there's something about the father. I'm like, hmm, I, I could. Yeah. I could, yeah. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I could re- learn. I remember this guy, uh, Aaron Poole, in like the other films, like some other films, I can't remember which, but in this one, he looks very country and like hickish in a way. And which maybe, I think is fitting for this, don't you think? Yeah, but I, it might be like the hairstyle that like he's got that comb over and it's kind of pushed to the side. And it's just like, wow, he looks like uh, some deliverance kind of uh, cop or something. Now, in a different alternate reality, I could kind of see Nicolas Cage. Oh shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause he yeah. did. Yeah. He did color out of space and he wasn't too. Yes. Yeah. But there's just something like in an alternate reality, I'm like Nicolas Cage could be this, this role. Um, okay. So I'm sorry. Um, so our movie opens. Okay. So I will say this too about the movie. If you are a person that does not deal well with ambiguity, I think this movie may upset you yeah i think it'll irritate you yeah but i love stuff like this so it just kind of starts right off the bat you're really not even sure what's going on because uh it's very atmospheric it's nighttime uh it's just like the shack in the middle of nowhere there's gunshots this couple comes like fleeing out of the house followed by um just like a pair of men uh, the one guy gets away, but the woman is not so successful in her escape. Uh, she's eventually lit on fire. Yeah. And OK, so <clears throat> right off the bat, like you said, you know, the ambiguity. I thought those two were the not not the couple fleeing, but the father and son team. I thought they were like the bad guys and part of the cult. And I thought that's how it all began. Well, and well, it's set up to be that way. And yeah. you really for the majority of the film, they are portrayed as the bad guys. Like for the large, large majority of the film, mm-hmm. they're the bad guys. Um, but then off in the distance towards like the forest line, you see this white shrouded figure with just a black pyramid in the middle of like the, the hood that they're wearing, like just on, on there, this black triangle mm-hmm. just off to the distance. Yeah. So now we see our sheriff has basically fallen asleep in his patrol car, kind of on the edge of the where the forest would lead into the road. And, uh, you know, the dispatcher wakes him up and everything. And there's a little bit of banter between them because she obviously knows it's not there's nothing to do. It's not busy. But then the one person who has escaped the scene that we just saw earlier kind of stumbles to the ground out of the forest. And the sheriff automatically assumes like he's a, a junkie or he's uh uh, a drunk. So he goes up to check on him and everything. That's of course is James is, is the uh, a person who escaped. 
And so Sheriff Carter goes up to check on him and he's not in good shape. So he radios back to dispatch. He needs to bring him to like some kind of hospital care to, to, to have him looked at. Well, they decide to take him to the Marsh County Emergency Services, um, which will soon be closing. But for right now, they're still open with a very small skeleton crew. Um, and then the sheriff is not too keen on taking him there, but he eventually agrees to do so. So, <laughs> yeah, so I didn't understand that. Was that the only like the closest hospital because he didn't think like the junkie was going to make it? Um it was the closest hospital. Yeah. And I don't think it was not so much that he didn't think he was going to make it. He was in bad shape. He was covered in blood. I think he was, I think the way he looked, he was not quite sure how, uh, his, uh, how healthy the man was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he just, to get in medical services, the quickest, that would be the closest one. Okay. Yeah. So that's when we come to start meeting our other characters, uh, cast of characters in the hospital. Our first uh, two that we meet is um, Cliff Robertson, who is a patient in the hospital, and he is being, I guess, uh, entertained, you would say, (laughs) uh, by Kim. (laughs) I immediately fell in love with her because it's just like she's hanging out with him and she's like, do you know what degloving is? And then she shows him the photo. (laughs) Good God. Yeah. And then so they're. I thought it was really cool. They're watching Night of the Living Dead because it's uh, royalty free on TV. They're watching George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. And then she starts like eating his like dinner and everything. (laughs) Anyway, um, but in the waiting room, we also meet uh, Grandpa Ben and his uh, granddaughter who's pregnant, Maggie. Um, And then we also get to meet Dr. Powell, who's the only physician on staff there that night. Um, and then they go to give James, the junkie, uh, a sedative and he is not wanting any part of that. He freaks out about that. Yeah. Um, he's having a fit. And then we also notice that he's gotten some blood on the sheriff during the whole ordeal. So we come to find out, uh, that there is a nurse on staff, nurse Allison, um, and apparently she's got some sort of a history with uh, the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that will come into play just a little bit later. Um, so in the interim, Dr. Powell reveals that James uh, is finally asleep, but he's not badly hurt. The blood on him actually is not his own. Um, so that's a little bit of uh, disconcerting for everyone involved. And then it's revealed that the history that the sheriff shares with Allison is that they were actually, or they are an estranged couple and Allison uh, had, they had a child that Allison had lost. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Powell kind of shares that he had a daughter named Sarah that he lost. So he kind of understands that feeling of, of that void that would be left in your life. If you had lost a child, someone you love. Um, Now for this being a hospital, I don't know how you felt about this, but it's like, it's pretty desolate around there. It's not like in a thriving metropolis. There's nothing else around this place. You know, I was going to bring that up because I have it in my notes and it was like, what a desolate, it's like a hospital, the kind of hospital you go to die in. <laughs> right. Because it doesn't seem like there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of staff. It's very quiet all the time. There's only a few, um, there's only a few patients in there. It, it just doesn't seem like a place you'd want to be. Yeah, no. Now, just real quick, they they had originally planned on shooting in a condemned hospital, 
Um, but it was actually so bad they could not get permission to do so. Mm. Um, so they opted for this was a high school. And I think when you know that, it you can tell that it is. Once once you realize it's it's a, a high school, it, I think it feels very much like that. Yeah, it kind of does because the rooms don't look like actual hospital rooms in a way. Well, as, to me, from the outside, it very much looks like a high school too. See, I didn't really pay attention to the outside too much, but like the, yeah. with the glass doors and everything. Yeah, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Now, just real quick, have you ever seen Last Shift from 2014? Ooh, no, I haven't. Okay, so Rob, it's kind of the same deal, except it's it's like a rookie cop and the police station is going to be permanently closed down and she's got to work like the last the last shift there. And it's a very creepy film, much like kind of like this. I recommend that one too. It's it's pretty fun. Is that anyway, kind I'm, of like assault on precinct thirteen? Where you know, no, that, no, okay, no, no, okay. yeah, no, not at all. It's 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 more like this. It's not like an action film. It's oh, a creepy gotcha. Film. Yeah, right. but anyway, okay. So back on track. Um, so the next scene we see is there's another nurse on on staff, Beverly, and she has gotten into the room with the Robertson patient. And her back is turned towards the camera, but we see that she has been plunging a scalpel into his eyes Mm -hmm. and she's also carved her face off. Yeah. And I knew something was wrong immediately because when when you first see like the shot of her just standing there and she's like mumbling something. It's uh, not me. Yeah. And her body is moving in a very strange way. I'm like, okay, something is definitely wrong here. Yeah. So the sheriff sees this. And then she turns on him with that scalpel and he's got no choice but to shoot her. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how the movie just jumps into things like lickety split. There's no like real setup. You're just kind of thrown into the nightmare, just like everyone else involved. Is. Yeah. They're not explaining anything to you. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Um, this, of course, totally confuses Alice and the other nurse that works with her. And like Kim is like freaking out right off the bat as anyone would. Yeah. Isn't she just um, like, she's a nurse in training, I guess. Right. She's a nurse in training. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's not even supposed um, to be there today. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. Well, I, I, the, it really seems like she's just hired to help them kind of pack the place up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's not really even supposed to be like operating on people or anything like that. Yeah. Um. So the sheriff is obviously distraught over what happened. So he makes his way to the bathroom. He's so shaken. He's like vomiting everything. He gets that blurry vision. And then he gets this vision. It's like just black. And it turns into these dark rolling clouds. And then see, this reminded me of phantasm where you get like that. It's like an alternate, like, yeah. Yeah. Scape of just like these really dark terrain, like dark mountainous terrains and everything. And, and then there's these, like, like a, these, a flesh thing, almost like a flesh thing. And yeah. then there's like these, like you're looking upwards at like the bottom of these two like pyramids, like coming towards each other through these clouds, dark you, clouds. You know, it also uh, just that vision sequence right there without like the fleshy, whatever the hell it was. It reminded me of something from like Vanilla Sky, you know, where oh, the Tom Cruise one. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah. it was like a d- dream sequence, fever dream kind of thing. So yeah, like phantasm and just like stuff where you don't know, like what reality is actually going on. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's shown very fast. It's mm-hmm. like flashes, glimpses, like just, you know, it's um like a, like a nightmare almost. It's just real, real quick. Um, 
so the uh, doctor on staff, Dr. Powell, believes he's had a seizure and he's very shaken and they want to actually put him into a room, but the sheriff's not having any of this. By now, Trooper Mitchell uh, has arrived on the scene because of what happened earlier at the house in the forest. And he believes that James had something to do with that. So that's why he's shown up here at the hospital. Well, also, we come to find out that um, Sheriff Carter, uh, his father was a policeman as well, a sheriff as well. And so Trooper Mitchell had a former relationship with him and he thought very highly of of Daniel's father and Mitchell's kind of giving him flack for how poorly this has all gone down so far. I mean, he arrives and, you know, someone's been shot already and then another person's been stabbed in the eyes and it's just, it's kind of becoming like a feces show really quick. Um, And so he also mentions that the person that they have, James has drug priors and um, he thinks that possibly he somehow managed to slip Bev some drugs, and that's what caused her to act the way that she did. And because of the way things have gone down, Mitchell demands that Daniel turn over his gun to him. So, and that's what happens. All right. So, um, we also find out that Maggie uh, has had a child or she's carrying a child out of wedlock and everything because you know mitchell makes a comment about that yeah um so sheriff carter goes to make a call in the office and the radio like nothing is working there the the radio he can't get out and everything is just buzzing so he decides to head outside to his patrol car um to use that instead um he goes out there there's no response and just outside of the car in a short distance away, there's another one of those white hooded figures like we had seen prior at that house, um, just barely away from the car. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like how the sheriff is just like, hi. And I'm like, no, that's not what you would do in this situation. <laughs> but I, any sheriff, if they see somebody in like some kind of weird looking hooded thing, yes. and you, you can't see a face and it's like, you're probably going to approach them with extreme caution. Yeah, but so anyway, the figure approaches closer and eventually it ends up in an altercation where the figure plunges a, a, like a dagger into the sheriff's shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that pr- causes him to flee back into the hospital. Um, once inside the hospital, things aren't going well in there. Dead Bev <laughs> has now kind of come to life, but she's like morphed into this like hideous being. Yeah, well... Okay, was that the sequence? I'm trying to like figure out the timing of the sequence because there was one where like the guy that she stabbed in the eyes, uh, there was it was like a scene from the thing where there was like just tentacles shooting up from out of the eyeballs. Um, and like what happened with that guy? Did they kind of merge into one, one being or whatever? Um, not, not at this point. No. Oh, so what? So, so I, I must've missed a sequence then. Yeah. I think you're like way ahead. I think, Uh, um, because this is where the, uh, the sheriff has made his way in and Kim's like trying to apply pressure to keep him from bleeding and everything. mm -hmm. Um, and this is where we get more of that same trippy and imagery as he passes out. 
and he comes to and the sheriff has gotten the bleeding to stop and everything. Um, and Mitchell's, you know, uh, uh, wanting answers, you know, like what's going on and everything. Um, and he still can't get out with the radio. And now more of those shrouded beings, entities have started surrounding the building. That's when the scream like emanates from another room and James has awoken and that monster Bev thing is behind him in the corner, but he can't escape because they've handcuffed him to a gurney. Oh, okay. See, I thought that happened. I thought the the part that reminded me of the thing happened first. So that's where I got screwed up. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So he's trying to get loose and like Mitchell's shooting the Bev creature while Daniel just has to start kicking the bar free to release James mm-hmm. to get him out of that room with that thing. Um, so... Daniel gets an axe. There's a lot of axe use in this film too. Like everyone has an axe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. There's a lot of, there's a lot of axing going on. Yeah. And then Mitchell's just like frozen. Like he just can't seem to process really what he's seen and what's going on. Then all of a sudden from earlier, that father son pair, there was some mysterious men make their way into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The uh, older one has a gun and the younger one has an axe. Uh, <laughs> um, but in the interim, while all this is going on, James has grabbed Maggie, the pregnant girl, um, and he's taken her as hostage. So Dr. Powell's trying to like talk him down. Um, but then James just like stabs him in the jugular and that everything, the situation just gets way out of hand. It totally escalates from there. Yeah. And see, all right. The first time I saw this, <clears throat> the first time I saw this movie, I thought it was kind of a random act of him stabbing the doctor. But then we come to find out that there, you know, later on, there is a reason why he stabbed the doctor. Oh, right. Like nothing is really random when you find out what's Mm. in play here. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is really just happenstance. Which I thought Um, was really cool. Like uh, that little attention to detail really makes this movie. Oh yeah. Like once you've watched this, it's one of those films you want to just go back and watch immediately right away again. Yep. Yeah. Um, so during all this, though, no one notices that the Bev monster has made her way out of the room <laughs> and she grabs Trooper Mitchell and just pulls him down into another wing. Oh, man, that's wow. That I called it the meat monster because that thing is utterly terrifying. Oh, it's and it's all practical, mm-hmm. folks. Everything in this is practical. It's so good. Um that's probably think, why it feels so real. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. I mean, if you're a fan of John Carpenter's The Thing, this will be right up your alley, I yeah. feel. Um, now, I think this might be what you were talking about, Rob, because there's all these tentacles coming out of the creature, and they're just, like, basically invading every facial opening of yeah. the trooper. It's just, it's disgusting. But um, No, I was actually talking about the... The patient in the bed with, um, you know, at the beginning of the film, the guy who got stabbed oh, in the eyes. Oh, the Robertson boy. Yeah. And oh, then, like, I'm sorry. There was a sequence where he was just, his body was shaking and there was uh, tentacle-like things shooting out of his eyes. And I don't know where that sequence was. Like, Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So that part gotcha. really reminded me of the thing right there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, 
So again, we get the axe and that stops all the action and everything uh, because the uh, by now the two mystery people have joined the wing with the sheriff. Yeah. So in the interim, Allison has covered the doctor's body with a sheet and everything. Um, and the sheriff is kind of demanding that like she and Kim and everyone else get back into the office to keep everyone safe. Now, the mystery people are wanting James. They are like dead set on getting James and basically doing away with James. Um, and that's where it re- was re- is revealed that the younger of the two has this bandage on his neck. And the older one says that, you know, James is the one that did this. He attacked him. Um, and the two are basically just going, the, the mystery men, the way to handle all this is just burn the place down to the ground with everyone inside of it. Yeah. Um, and that's when you get that first blast of the horns from outside, that like weird ominous thing. Yeah. It was, sound. Yeah. It was not like the horn that anybody would think of like when they think of like the, um, uh, the tornado siren or whatever from like yeah, Silent not like Hill. that. It was no, nothing like, like that. Second coming horn. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was an actual horn. Horn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now I just thought of this, but this one would kind of do well, almost with the mist, like Ooh, a double feature. Yes, the the mist. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just. A weird double feature because it's they're both pretty damn dark. Um, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, then all of a sudden, the next thing you see is they push this burning gurney out, and it just kind of rolls out and falls over. Now, the person on the gurney was that Mitch? Was that the trooper? Uh, it looked okay <clears throat> from the perspective that I was seeing. Um, you know how we, we used to talk, like when we were doing the kindred, how the tentacles go into the flesh and everything. And it's like Mm -hmm. being absorbed. Um, what I was thinking is that whatever the hell this creature is, it absorbs and like you become part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was probably like Bev, the guy, the guy who got stabbed in the eyes and like the trooper that it was just absorbing people and, you know, becoming part of it. So who do you so you think it was the creature on the thing? Yeah, I think it was the creature. Oh, okay, they set it on fire. Okay, all right. So now everyone's gathered in the office, and uh, I love this scene because like everything that's going on, but yet Allison is dead set on the older mystery mystery man not smoking. Oh yeah, because <laughs> there's a baby around. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Maggie is pretty much going into labor during all this and it's a painful labor. And Allison's like, if we don't do something, I'm going to lose the baby. We're going to lose Maggie and I need medication, but it's not here. I've got to go get it in the, the, like basically the, the medicinal uh, wing ward of the, of the hospital. And she wants to go alone. And like the sheriff is like, that's not going to happen on my watch. I'll go with you. But we've got to get permission from the other two who's basically like holding us hostage in this room, the two mystery guys. So he's got to convince the other two to allow them to do this. But in the interim, 
the backpack that the gentleman had brought into the room, a little tiny girl, like a little girl shoe falls out of it. And the older of the two picks it up kind of like, uh, how would you say it? Mournfully. Yeah. Like it, he's just examining and, it and rolling it yeah, around in his hand. Yeah. And then Kim, our nurse trainee, she kind of like notices this and the two lock eyes for just a second. Uh, so that's an interesting scene. Um, so the sheriff says, you know, we're, we're low on guns. We're low on ammunition. If you will allow me to, there's locked in the front of my car, there's a rifle. And then the ammo is in the back of my patrol car in the trunk. Yeah. And the, the, the two agree to go. The, the older one's always the spokesperson for the, the, the mystery group. The, they oh, because the go. son can't speak, like whatever happened to his throat. Um, like, I don't know if he got stabbed in the throat or something, but it must have damaged his vocal cords. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So the two agree to go out, but the condition is the gun's going to go to the older of the two mystery people. He's mm-hmm. like, the sheriff can't keep the gun. The gun's mine. Yep. All right, so they leave, but when they get out, it's like time and space have shifted. So the patrol car is no longer right outside the door. It's way far away now. Yeah, and that's where, like I had written down, reality starts to get even weirder because all of a sudden it's like the car is parked right out front and then it's like 100 or 200 feet away from them. Yeah, it's. I love stuff like this. I, I I love stuff like this. It's very Lovecraftian, like you were saying. I love stuff like this. So the younger of the two makes a run for the patrol car. The older one follows suit, and then the sheriff follows suit too. Um, and they intercut this back and it's cut back and forth between the inside of the hospital, you know, with Maggie and her her labor issues, labor pains, and then um, you know, everyone dealing with stuff outside with the car. So the older mystery man is kind of standing watch as more of these shrouded people kind of start to appear or, you know, like at a distance at first around the patrol car. Yeah. Back inside, Allison takes the opportunity to head off to the supply closet by herself, which is a bad move. Yeah. Never, um, never go anywhere alone in these movies. No, because we come to find out that Dr. Powell is not dead, even though he should be, because we kind of see him behind her as the outside, the shrouded men are starting to attack our threesome out there. Isn't Um, it cool how they're like all in unison, just kind of holding the knives at their side? Yes. And then (laughs) it's so awesome. Yes. It's so awesome. That's so freaky. And then like one, uh, one of the cultists pops up behind the sheriff. Or no, not the sheriff. The other um, tries to stab the father, but gets the gets the son in the hand. Yes, he's big gashes in his hand. It's the, it's the practical effects are great if you're into gore. Oh yeah. Um. So the three, you know, get what they need, and they retreat back in the hospital. By the time they're back, you know, like I said, Allison's gone, and this upsets the sheriff because he's like, "Where is she?" And then Kim's like, "You know, she just went to get medication for Maggie and everything." Um. This is where it's revealed by the older of the two mystery people that the younger one's whole family was murdered by these people. So they, they have like a personal vendetta. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, real quick. I'm sorry. Real quick. Um, the, the directing team, the writer director team 
took inspiration from a movie that Guillermo del Toro, del Tormo. Oh my gosh, I can never say his name. Guillermo <laughs> del Toro was wanting to make, and it was called The Mountains of Madness. You but know, he never I, made it. <clears throat> I heard about that. Yeah. And it, it, was to, a, it was a cool project that never got to happen. Yeah, but he wanted to make basically a Lovecraft movie that you wouldn't know was a Lovecraft movie. Um, and they heard that idea and they're like, we want to do that too. And that's how this came to be. But anyway, um, and the sheriff's like, you know, I told her not to go. So he and the older gentleman take off after her. And that's when they spy the sheet that should have been over Dr. Powell, but it's just laying there. <laughs> yeah, and then on gone. their way, they step in that like bloody pool of like grossness. And then uh, he, the sheriff picks up the goo covered gun that was on uh, the, tr- the other trooper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in that dark wing in the medical supply room, um, they start to grab supplies and everything and, and they start to retreat. And then halfway down the hallway, the sheriff draws his rifle because he hears this phone ringing from Dr. Powell's office. So he heads in there pensively and he picks it up and it's coming from the morgue and it's Dr. Powell himself. Mm-hmm. And he questions Daniel. He wants to know exactly what Daniel saw. Um And then the doctor says that he can show Daniel more if he wants to, if he's interested in it. And he's, you know, the doctor goes on, he says that Beverly found it difficult, uh, but he only has good intentions. And, um, and then he brings up, you know, Daniel's dad and he implies that Daniel's dad uh, may not be in heaven. Uh, Maybe his permanent resting place isn't quite where he thinks his father is. Um, and then he mentions, uh, Allison's, he brings up Allison's, you know, um, lost baby again. And then he mentions his dead daughter. Yeah. Um, and then while um, this is, oh. yeah, while this is going on, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the father that, uh, as we're known, uh, he's looking through this little box in there and he finds a, a book and then there's like a whole crap ton of Polaroids in there. So like you said, yeah. So the box had photos and a book and then the book had these like weird symbols in it yeah and then like the, the that geomet- geometric whatever the hell you call it um i can't think of the name now like circles and like a pyramid and yeah. it was uh like mirrored imagery and but the polaroids there were some nudes and some dead bodies and then some of the people in the the the, the hooded shroud things yeah so it is my dream to come across a box with a book with weird symbols and freaky Polaroids. <laughs> like I'm, I can die a happy man if that will ever happen to me. <laughs> That's so like the coolest thing. You won't be disturbed at all. Not in the least. Not at all. No, I would be like, first I'd be like, who left this for me? And how cool are you? Yeah. No, I would not be disturbed. Um, and it says to Mark with love. <laughs> to, to Mark. Now that might be disappointing because I'd rather think that I stumbled upon it. Ah, gotcha. Okay. That makes it cooler. So you want Um, like a secret buried treasure or something. Yeah, but I don't want to do the work. So it's just kind of like if if the most buried by like leaves or at least (laughs) half an inch of dirt where I just kind of kicked it and found it. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, 
I'm not going to tell you the story on air. Remind me after we're done to tell you a story kind of like that. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to tell it on air. Okay, if here we go. you want to hear it, you got to pay us money to- <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Anyway, so back in the office, like Kim's freaking out and everything. Um, but Daniel's uh, decided he's going to head down to the morgue. Um, and they've decided, oh, but the they've decided that- um, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Kim's freaking out. Daniel's come back to the office to say that he's going to head down to the morgue. And it's revealed that the people outside don't want in. They're here to make sure that we don't get out. Mm -hmm. Um, And at first, the mystery man, the older guy, the father, he doesn't want to join the sheriff. Um, and then it's revealed that one of the photos is actually a photo of James. Then out in the hallway, it kind of parlays into the, the father, I'm using quote marks, the father, um, awakening him and he's threatening him with a hammer. Um, and then James reveals that it's the doctor, that, you know, Dr. Powell's the one behind all this. Yeah. And they, they're kind of messing with him. Like they're going to hit his finger, but they actually just hit the thing and he gets him to talk and everything. And it's revealed that he had the house, uh, they call it the pill house. And he thought he was going to score some crystal meth there and everything, but it was something much more than that. Um, junkies would go show up there. Um, but the house was also involved with, you know, they would be, they'd murder people there. Um, the doctor would watch them. Uh, they would have perform sexual acts there. He would take photos of them. The people that in the shrouds were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sheriff's having a real hard time believing that the doctor was involved in all this. Um, I'm thinking the dead man just called you on the phone. Yeah. I would believe everything this person's <laughs> telling you right at this point. Right. Because um, there's some weird stuff going on. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And he's talking about killings and sacrifices. And then the one guy asked, you know, James point blank, do you believe in the devil? And James is like, I don't believe in the devil, but I'm telling you, I believe in this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's saying that the doctor was able to make people change. So now all four of them with James in the lead handcuffed are heading back down to a lower level. Um, the place looks awful downstairs. It's all disheveled. It's deteriorating. It's dark. It's gross. I would not be down there. Um So Kim, because she knows the layout, is kind of guiding them via a walkie-talkie to get them to place where they need to be. And she's saying, like, at the back of the building, there's a stairwell, um, and they pass by, like, the little, what would you call them? Maybe is it incubators? Like, what what newborns are placed in those, like, little plastic tubs? Oh, the one that- They're, like, all melted and Yeah, it was melty. I was like, what did, is this the doctors doing? But then we come to find out that there was actually a fire in that hospital. Yes, but they come to a stairway, a stairwell, and the stairs clearly show signs because they're filthy, but then you can see something has been just recently- drag down those stairs because there's like a streak that like the filth has been wiped away yeah yep so the the mystery man father thinks it's a trap and i'm thinking yes yes it is um <laughs> it's but they're trap. still gonna go down there yeah and then the the sheriff radios back to kim he's like you know is there a sub basement because there's another stairwell going down and kim's like no there's no this is this is not right what you're telling me is not 
Right. And he's like, there's a, a corridor with all these doors and stuff. And mm-hmm. what he's describing, Kim knows is not what's down there. Right. Because she's apparently been down to the morgue before. And there's like no other, there's no more stairs. Like once you get down there, there's like, that's it. There's no yeah, other. So his, re- yeah, his reality is not jiving with her reality at this point. Yep. So we see these operating lights overhead and we get like a drowsy Allison waking up and her vision's all blurry and everything. Yeah, and doesn't we, she look dehydrated? Yeah, she doesn't look happy. <laughs> it's like her lips are all cracked. and Yeah, yes, yes. She looks worse for the wear. Um, so we hear the doctor's voice is kind of like droning on. You know, he's about uh, talking about operating on others. Um, but it's different when you do it on yourself, basically. It's a whole different feeling and everything. Um, and he, he gives a quote about wanting to save someone beyond saving. And uh, losing his daughter destroyed him. Um, and then you see on the ground, the men, as they're walking around, there's that big bizarre symbol from the book, but it's huge on the floor. Yeah. And then James is like, that's the same thing that I saw in the drug house. Um, so there's a, and he, he says there's a person on the table there at the house and it was half turned into like something different. So it like. This isn't the first time that he's witnessed one of these creature things. Right. And that's where he starts to like kind of freak out a lot more because he's like, I'm not yeah. going any farther in here. No, no, no. Especially handcuffed. Heck no. Yeah. Um, and it's basically becoming like a rat maze. These guys are just going down one corridor and the next and the next and the next. Um, so upstairs, Maggie's discomfort is greatly increasing. And Kim and her grandfather are trying to like help her, but it's getting harder and harder and harder. Um, now. It had been a while since we saw this and Walt thought that Maggie's baby's father was the grandpa. And so in my mind, I'm making the grandpa this great big creeper. <laughs> you know, the first time I saw that movie, I thought the same thing. <laughs> like, there's even that thing where Kim says, you know, you've got a really good grandpa. My grandpa just sits in front of the TV and smokes. And I'm thinking, yeah, but he got his granddaughter pregnant. And that's <laughs> not the case at all. But anyway, <laughs> so downstairs, they come upon a door with that triangle symbol painted. And James is like, I am not going to go any further. Right. And then Daniel gets another one of those like trippy, like, rough terrain, cloudy sky visions and yeah. everything. Like, and the reality really starts to go pear shaped at this point. Oh, totally. And then we also see him with his pregnant wife. Yeah. Uh, you know, Allison. Um, and the whole group proceeds forward. And like now, even now the, 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 uh, father guy is like, this is a mistake. We should not be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and back down in, the area where the doctor has Allison, he's going on about, you know, it's like you're a caterpillar trapped in a cocoon. Um, and, you know, some mistakes uh, are still alive down here. And this is where he starts fleshing more out about what actually happened. Oh, um, and I like, got I got terrified at that point. I was like, yeah. so you mean he won't let them die and they're still no, hanging around down yes, here? Yes. He's like, you know, they caused the fire because they want to die. Uh, he won't let them. And then he's like starts to go into Allison's baby's death that like it died because the umbilical cord was wrapped around its neck and mm-hmm. everything. Um, and he wants to cause a true resurrection uh, because he lost Sarah to the abyss. And tonight he's going to call her back. Yeah. Uh, and then we it's revealed that he's removed his face, much like Bev did upstairs. Oh, um, th- this was like so much. 
like I, Hellraiser right here and oh and yeah, it's like Event creepy Horizon, beyond creepy, just yeah. like all of that. And then he like slides the sheet down below uh, Allison's you know upper torso, and there's something like writhing like just underneath her skin and her stomach. It's disgusting. And that would be scary as shit if you were in that position. Oh, holy cow! Holy cow! Yeah. Um. So after the reveal that everything down there is not dead. <clears throat> The men that have been surrounded by all these presumably dead things, they actually start to come alive. Yeah. What was <clears throat> up with that one impaling itself on that pipe? Continuously? Oh, my gosh. That's horrifying. Yeah. It's like a like a water pipe that's sticking out of the wall. And this dead thing is just trying to kill itself by jamming its head on there but it's done it so many times it's just a gaping hole in yeah. its head and it, all it's it is horrifying. is just this wet squishing thud yeah it's disgusting and then we see like this these bloody feet like of a woman because it's wearing a skirt so i'm presuming it's a woman it's supposed to be a woman i'm not judging i'm just saying in this case it's a woman um levitating um towards the group um and then like there's that vibration thing going on and the, the woman's saying like we need you with us um, and it turns out to be that that's the wife of the older gentleman, the father. It's his wife. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and she's holding the baby, right? Yeah. And then, yes. And then the uh, father turns on James and starts like punching him. Uh, and then it's just all he- basically all hell is really breaking loose right there in that room with these men. Yeah. And it was so much like... That part reminded me of the the Fulci film because you see like all these dead things just oh yes you know this, moving around. <laughs> this would be like a Fulci heyday. I thought the same thing, Rob. I'm like, yeah, Fulci would have gone like full out with this one. <laughs> yeah, total Fulci. <laughs> so upstairs, Kim is attempting poorly to do a C-section, but she keeps getting interrupted, mm-hmm. and she's um, she's very afraid. Like she does not want to do. This. No, she doesn't even know what she's doing. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um. Now in the interim downstairs, the father guy has ran off after like that woman figure that he saw. Yeah. <clears throat> so now basically it's James and the sheriff, and then the the one that can't talk is wandered off alone too. So, um, James like flips out on the sheriff and actually starts choking him. But eventually the, the sheriff gets James off and James is drug around the corner by one of these like living dead creature things. So now it's just the sheriff on his own. <clears throat> and then upstairs, Grandpa Ben is like just pleading with her to like, you know, just do the C-section, just save my, save my granddaughter, save my baby. But while this is going on, she's met with a spray of blood right in her face because the grandfather's neck has been slashed open. I got to tell you, the second time around, I still did not see that coming. It is horrifying and unexpected. You're absolutely right. So it's revealed that the killer is Maggie. She slit her own grandfather's throat because she's carrying Dr. Pa- uh, Dr. Powell's baby. And then the lights go out and Kim freaks the heck out. <laughs> and she's just like, get the hell away from me. Yeah. And now all those, those white shrouded men with the pyramids on their faces are inside the hospital. And Maggie's like, don't worry. Everything is about to change. And she's like, runs towards them. And Kim is like, like fleeing for her life. 
Yeah, I would be worried too. I'd be like, shit, I don't, maybe I don't want things to change, you know? Mm-mm-mm. And least- now that younger guy that can't, with the bandaged neck, he sees a photo on the wall and then his reality shifts to his home where his family was massacred by these people. So in his home reality, we see his father, who is the older guy, over his mother's dead body. And his father is blaming the younger one for not being able to protect the family from being murdered by these people. Yeah. And he's he's like, it's your fault. He attacks the kid. Um, And then the young one lights a flare and basically puts it on the father to like snap the guy out of it and bring him back to reality. Yeah. And I guess the, the reality is like, see, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. And this was one of them because like that weird vibrational sound hit and then they're suddenly in the dream world. And then like he burns the the father and it's like snap back to uh, the basement or wherever the hell they are. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, the vibration almost like signifies a shift in reality is happening. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, So upstairs, Kim's hidden herself in a closet and she's attempting to call for the sheriff on a walkie. Um, It's there's like, it's just, everything is like a, like a red lens filter because it's supposed to be the lights are out except for the emergency lights are on. And then uh, one of those shrouded figures appears and she freaks out. Yeah. Downstairs, the sheriff keeps hearing his name kind of like beckoning him towards the delivery room where Allison has, has been all this whole time. And inside he finds his actual wife laying there and she's like, I'm scared. And she's like, uh, she says she can feel it coming. And she asks him to hold her hand. Um, and he promises not to leave her alone. Um, then the doctor kind of chimes in that he knows Daniel's secret, um, that Daniel is actually relieved that the baby wasn't born. Then all of a sudden we see that Allison, she kind of like decays away like dust. And then her real form is just this massive, like writhing tentacles laying there on the yeah. table. And see, I was trying to figure out which one was the real reality there, <laughs> because uh, it, it was this movie really messes with your head. And, and you're like, wait a minute, did I just see what I saw or, you know, was that part of something else? Yeah. So all of a sudden the sheriff picks up a handy dandy axe and we hear Allison say stay. And then we get that silhouette from outside the door mm-hmm. of the sheriff just chopping away at whatever's inside that room, destroying <laughs> Allison no matter what form. Yeah. And it splatters the window, like a little bit of blood. Yeah. And then, so the scene fades to dark and then we get that glowing pyramid. And so we hear the doctor's voice. He's like, do you see Daniel? What do you see? And then Dan responds, I see a monster who thinks he's God. And the doctor responds that he's disappointed that he defies God and that things older than time have been blessed, uh, have blessed him and he's embraced death. And so Daniel all of a sudden is stabbed in the back by Maggie and she heads towards this wall with that triangle shape on it. And she kneels in front of the totally skinned Dr. Powell. Yeah. And he's bookended by these shrouded men on either side of him with these rows of like gurneys with uh, corpses covered up on either side of him. And I, so, this feels like a nod to, um, like I said, Hellraiser. Even Lord of Illusions, where that um, where that guy returns from the dead and he's like all decayed looking, and I think he's skinless. 
Oh, um, yes, very much so. Yeah. yeah, it's gooey. It's gooey wonderfulness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's revealed that for this whole thing to come to fruition, Daniel basically has to die for the doctor, just like his father did and just like his son did before him. Now, the abyss will open under Dr. Doctor uh, Dr. Powell's chance, and the pyramid on the wall, it's like he pushes on it, and so it kind of like pushes back and opens at the same time, and it's just this whiteness that enters the room. Yeah. And I was totally expecting tentacles to come out the first time that I saw this. Oh, right, 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 right. It's a very tentacle-heavy movie. Yeah. Um, so we see that dark sky and everything, and then Maggie's kneeling before him and you know um he needs carter to bless his baby and the dr powell puts his hand on her head but like the imagery she sees clearly is not what she's prepared for because mm-hmm. it's all bloody and everything and she shrieks and falls backward yeah um and then he's and like then, yes just let it happen right and so we get it's pretty cool the way they do it So she knocks over a gurney while this is all transpiring. And so we see like from her shoulders and head, but the rest is concealed behind the gurney and she's like not doing well. And then you hear all this like cracking and grinding of bones noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then she's giving birth to something that's clearly not human. And it just burst out of her like one of those alien chest bursters. It's gross. The noises are disgusting. (laughs) It took the entire bottom half of her body. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in the interim, while all this is going on, the other two, the mysterious pair, so the son and father, have made it into the room. Um, It's almost like... Chapel, I'm using the word chapel just because it's like a ritual thing is going on. Mm-hmm. They've made it to this place. Um, the dad starts um, shooting at, uh, um, at the, the monster's head and everything. And then they start using their axe to, with on the uh, tentacles and everything. And they decide they're going to douse it with alcohol. And the younger one goes to set this creature thing on fire. The, the creature thing, it's like kind of Sarah, but it's way more not Sarah. Mm, yeah it's 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 horrifying and it's making this weird wailing noise on top of it it sounds like a baby but not like not like a baby i don't know no it's horrifying it's the kind of stuff you could never unhear it like (laughs) if this happened to your real life you would be in a mental facility until you died yeah you'd be hearing that all the time yes ever ever function um so um the doctor's like giving this speech about everyone's going to be saved and our hypothesis uh, is, is going to help everyone. Um, and now he like just evaporates into like a mist form and just drifts away. Yeah. I was um, like, he turns into smoke. What the hell? Yeah. Like this cloudy mist and everything and yeah. the stars. Um, but all of a sudden he's brought back to his skin form by an ax to the shoulder. Which is weird because if he's like mist or something, you would think the axe would go right through it. Yeah, I don't think it was all quite. I think it was reality, his reality maybe, but his reality wasn't the reality everyone else was dealing with. Okay. So again, the doctor offers Daniel that, you know, he tempts him with that offer to rejoin him um, with Allison if he'll just let go. Mm. And so Daniel's like, yes, yes, yes. But he pushes and then jumps with. 
the doctor through that pyramid, like into the other existence realm, whatever you want to say. So. Yeah. And I guess the doctor was not expecting that, or maybe like, no, uh, no one is supposed to cross that border or whatever. All right. So the, the pyramid again, seals itself on the wall and like the building starts to shake and it begins to crumble. But back inside the reality that is ours, more or less, Mm -hmm. that young man is still being chased by the Sarah monster. Um, and it's like dragging like Maggie along with it because it's still attached to umbil- yeah. <laughs> by the umbilical cord. It's so disgusting. Oh um, man, that is disturbing. And it, oh, I disgusting. guess it it takes time, like for that reality. When the two realities were merged, it takes time for that reality to kind of fade after the the doctor had opened or the gate was closed. Yeah, because like the creatures like just barely upon him mm-hmm. but he jumps through like into the upper wing of the hospital as the walls just smash the creature as that reality closes in on itself yeah it's great so <clears throat> he finds once on the other side um he finds you know ben is dead and he finds one of the shrouded guys with his head just like basically stomped in um, and he finds Kim all frantic and everything. She is like <laughs> the most unlikely final girl you'll ever see in a horror movie. Right. And I'm so glad because, like I said, I really like her. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the two just kind of like embrace each other. and They're all relieved and everything. Um, and you see like the they did the can pan, uh, the camera pans to like the empty hallway and then the treetops and then the clouds like almost it's like sunrise because they're kind of red and everything. And then it goes black. And then you see those dark rolling clouds that we saw before and there's sun thunderclaps and that real trippy terrain and everything. And then we see Daniel and he's down there with the regular Allison and they're just peering upwards at like the underneath kind of, of a big giant black pyramid with just clouds surrounding it. Yeah. And like lightning bolts shooting on top of it and stuff. Yeah. And they clasp each other's hands and the film just stops and the credits start to roll. Right. And that that part messed with my head because I was oh, like, oh, it's horrible. Hang on. Why did everything get silent? What's going on? What happens next? But you never know. If that ending felt very fulchy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, OK. You're not getting what you wanted. It's just, <laughs> it's done. Yeah, yeah. that was, that was kind of like the, the ending to Gates of Hell where they're, they're screaming. Yeah, uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. So, Rob, did the doctor get his wish or not? I'm thinking not. Uh, his wish was to bring his daughter back. Um, okay. But I think it somehow got, like... You know, the, the creatures from that reality maybe twisted his wishes and desires. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was thinking that he would become like this all-powerful being and uh, forging a new existence. But I think they kind of fucked with him, um, especially when he got tackled through. Like, I don't think anyone from this reality was supposed to go into that part of the reality and survive it. Yeah. So what's up with poor Allison and Daniel? Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I mean, that's horrible. Like, are they, do they exist as like forms of energy? Are they trapped there? Like I have, that's why the the movie ending really messed with me. I was like, what the hell? 
Yeah, I mean, and talk about ambiguous. We there are no answers, folks. But I'm like, I, I love that you get to just think about it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, ooh, it's dark. And I love the um, the way that it's like, it's not a Lovecraft, but it is because, oh, like, it's, yes, yeah, those yes. creatures are definitely from beyond. Well, the whole thing and like messing with you know, a, a realm that you should not even be meddling with. And mm-hmm. then what happens? And yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Totally. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So did you have anything like more to say before we get into the, like, you know, recommendation and, and stuff? Mm, no, I think, um, I think we pretty much covered everything. All right. So did you enjoy the film, Rob? Oh, it was tons of fun. Like these types of movies with the with the creatures and then the alternate dimensions and like the Lovecraft nods. I I enjoy the hell out of these. And it's so well done. Like nothing about this felt like on the cheap to me. No, it didn't. And I'm sure it was done with a, a lower budget than a lot of other films, but they really, really made it work. Oh, but it does not feel that way. Now it is claustrophobic. Like it's, I mean, it really is just set in the the hospital locale, basically for yeah. the most part. Um, but I think it needed to be for what the story they were telling. Like it didn't need a whole bunch of settings. Like that adds to what's going on because they are trapped in this space. Yeah, um, and I feel like if they if they made it any larger than that, it might start to cause a lot more confusion. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah. And I think it would have, to me, I think it would affect the, like the, like it's closing in on you. Like you are trapped. I mm-hmm. think it would like, if you had more settings, you wouldn't feel that way. Right. Um, so like I think you, it really works to the advantage yeah. to have that singular setting. Um, now, would you recommend it to people who would listen to our podcast? I would. If I mean, I think they might've seen it already, but if they haven't, I would definitely say, go check this out as soon as you can, because if you like um, movies like uh, Event Horizon, Hellraiser, From Beyond, I mean, you're going to find little bits and pieces of those in this movie. It it almost feels like a successor to like something like Hellraiser. And I'm going to throw in the thing just because of the effects. Yes. Oh, man. The practical effects are awesome like... Awesome practical like, effects. So awesome. Yeah. Um, now, the only thing like... My concern is that people have not seen this. And that's why I I do enjoy talking about films that everyone's familiar with, but I want people to know about the ones that they may not even know about. That like like when we did Exist, the Bigfoot one. Yeah. Like that's a great movie too. And I, I really feel that people, once they see this, will become fans of this. And they might even tell others to watch this, causing more people to be um fans of this movie and put it on their radars because I, I think so. it's such a good movie. It is. It's one of those things that, like I said, I didn't know it existed. I heard uh, some people talking about it and then all of a sudden it was on my radar. And once I checked it out, I was very happy that I did. Oh yeah. It's super cool. Um, I love the thing. I, I do feel that like listeners of this, if you're into like creatures, uh, practical effects, gore, um, it's got you covered. It really does. Uh, my only thing is if you are not okay with ambiguity, this will frustrate you. But if you're cool with that, you know, it, it's great. It, it it leaves stuff up to the audience to be like their own interpretations, which I find very cool with films. Yeah. Um, with- it's to me, it's not lazy in this case. It's not lazy 
uh, writing. That's not what this is. Oh, not I don't at feel. all. Yeah. I think they want it to, uh, that's why th- there was so many shifts in reality and, and it made you question like what was going on throughout the film. And so the way that it ended, it's more of like the same where it's like, hang on a second. Uh, was this actually happening or, you know, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, I, I would be surprised if someone watched this and then walked away from it disappointed. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's lots experience. of stuff to latch onto and even, um, okay. There's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of communication like with the, with the store or not a lot of dialogue, sorry. Um, but it, what it lacks in dialogue, it makes up for in like the sequences that happen and you're constantly like, you're just thrown right in here and then you're you're kind of bounced around back and forth like you're on some kind of weird roller coaster. It really is like you almost are a character there with them because mm-hmm. you're you're getting the puzzle pieces given to you as they are. Yeah. Yeah, which I I'm fine with that. Yep, I'm cool uh, with that too. It's it really it immerses you into it. Oh yeah, this is a definite watch for a Dark and stormy night with all the lights out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, would you say you were going to pair it with? Um, to me, just the mist. Oh, the mist. I yeah. Would, yeah. I don't know. It just, I think it would be a really interesting double feature. It. I like it because they're both um, very darkly oriented. Like there's nothing silly about them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it. They deal with like a lot of human issues. And a lot of uh, a lot of kind of issues that people really don't talk about and they kind of throw it out in the open and, you know, leave it there for you. And it it does make you a little bit raw because you're like, oh, wait, I, this this makes me uncomfortable. I didn't want to know about this. Well, and also the rift in like the dimensional rift kind of thing. Yeah, that too. Uh, like a rip, you know, like the, the, the rip in time or rip in dimension. I think that's, I don't know if that's, I, I, to me, I think it'd be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so that I think folks is the void. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so next time we get together, we're going to be doing 1995's species. Yeah. Natasha Henstridge. Mm-hmm. And I will be doing my full on Natasha Henstridge. <laughs> You're going to have as we record. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have the uh the sill suit and everything? No, just the Natasha Henstridge. Oh, just Natasha Henstridge. Yeah, okay. Just 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 me in a wig. Um yeah, so that should be fun. Um and then if you would like to reach us, I am always, always on the Instagram account at Midnight Mass Creature Cast, and I love hearing from you guys. That does mean a lot. And please recommend things. If you want to hear us talk about something, just recommend it. Uh we'd be more than happy to cover it. Um, would love to hear from you. Yeah. Or even let us know like what you, what you enjoy about the episodes. Uh, what just, yeah. Tell us your thoughts. Yes, exactly. Um, and then we always appreciate you joining us because the more the scarier. That's right. And, uh, we are bi-weekly now. So that means we will see you two weeks from this. Mm -hmm. Um, and until then we hope that you stay spooky. Whoa.